Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, and welcome to Not So Linear, a podcast that's here to help normalize conversation around grief and help you feel less alone in your own journey. I'm your host, Tamsin, and each week I'll be interviewing some amazingly strong people who share their own stories on how they've navigated life after loss. But don't worry, we'll talk plenty about finding happiness, what inspires us and helps us to grow. And whilst none of our journeys are so linear, what we do know is that it's better to get through it together. Please note that this episode does contain some content that could be triggering. If you think that could apply to you, then please take a look at the show notes for more detail. In today's episode, I speak with my friend Sandra, who I met in June 2020 here in Sydney. She was one of the very first people to come to my Our Grief meetups and has been a regular attender ever since. What we realised is we have something really in common, and that's that we both lost our mums at a really young age. She talks through her journey of coping with grief whilst living overseas away from her family, how she then dealt with the return to work and facing those awkward conversations head on. And most importantly, the steps and actions that she's taken to help herself in her grief journey. So welcome, Sandra. Maybe you could give the listeners a bit of background about yourself. Yeah, so thanks, Tamsin, for having me. A bit of background for myself. I was born in Spain, but I moved over to the States when I was two years old. And I grew up mainly in a suburb of Seattle, um, then moved over to the UK at 18 for university and now I've been in Sydney for, what, two and a half years? And you went to Nottingham University, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. University of Nottingham for three years and then moved down to London for four. How did you find being in London? It's all right. <laughs> you didn't like it? <laughs> I didn't like the fact that there was like nothing outdoors to do. What, so you prefer the Sydney lifestyle because of... All the beaches, walking, yeah, stand up paddleboard. Yeah, <laughs> the hike, why not? And so what was the reason you wanted to join my grief group? Yeah, so my mom had passed away for about a year at that point, And I hadn't really met that many people who had experienced grief, especially at our age. And so when I saw your post, I was kind of interested to meet people who had similar kind of mindsets and similar mm-hmm. experiences in life. I found that having the people around you does help you through it. My mom passed away probably about 20 months ago Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, She committed suicide, but it wasn't a sudden suicide. She'd been struggling with mental illness for pretty much my whole life, which was quite a big struggle to kind of grow up with. Puts a lot of toll on your relationships, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it wasn't a surprise. We had had an incident, I guess, a couple months before she passed away, Mm -hmm. which to me kind of signified that it was likely happening and despite all of the help we were trying to give her it was going to be kind of inevitable so my grief process actually probably started before she passed away because I started to see a therapist almost in the anticipation before she died it was probably about yeah nine months prior I had dealt with the the moving to a new country setting up friend groups setting up support networks I had no family in Sydney like I found out probably about 11 p.m. at night and I was on the plane out at 9 30 the next morning but it was deciding whether or not to kind of almost get that first flight out because the flights back I guess to the U.S. they all take off in the morning so we had to make a decision overnight of whether or not to fly out and I think that probably took a lot of emotion and a lot of 
thinking when so then after that how did you cope the next couple of weeks I guess you just started your new job Nina how did you feel that you could explain to people what happened yeah um a couple hours before finding out I was at a work social got cork and canvas <laughs> paint and wine painting, painting and drinking the wine and I was quite excited finding out your mom had passed away like overnight I got really fortunate my manager was stellar she handled it all for yeah. me like I texted her I texted her overnight for her to kind of get Wake like up. in the middle yeah. of the day yeah. like when she woke up um and her first concern was me yeah so really she good. called me right away like as pretty much as soon as she got up and was like are you okay is Stephen with you like are you in a good place um rather being when are you coming back to work yeah <laughs> the last thing it was literally like pressure. not even yeah what we talked about she was just very much like take your time I just wanted to make sure you're good she handled the immediate like telling the team she gave me the option of like do you know the team what do you want me to say like do you want me to tell them that like yeah. you're on holiday or like something's happened yeah. You know what? She could tell the team. But you wanted to tell the truth. You don't want her yeah. to make up a thing because, like you said, you need to be transparent for, yeah. for you to work through it. It's a good learning experience for other people that this kind of thing can happen. It's easier for her to tell the truth than it is for me in two weeks yeah. to tell the truth. Because then you come back and people go, oh, how, how was your holiday? Like, where yeah. did you go? And it, oh, please don't even ask me. This is so yeah. Awkward. Or if you say a family emergency, like people are still going to be curious by yeah. what happened in those yeah. two weeks. So I was kind of like, let's have her handle the conversation. And that made me like me less worried about work mm. in the media. I then was going back, I guess, to Seattle in Vancouver, which I had been before moving to Sydney and at Christmas. That was quite, I guess, weird because, again, my support network there was very much my family. But yeah. I lost touch with a lot of my friends. So I still wasn't in a almost a fully safe place yeah. myself. Um, and the first couple of days, and because we lived in so many faraway places, we had a lot of flying visitors. But it was weird to kind of see people and almost have to catch up about your life that for people I hadn't seen for yeah. like... Well, 10 years of catching up to do, but then you're meeting over this really sad, vulnerable time. Yeah. And so that was odd. But very quickly, we went up to Vancouver, where I saw the rest of my extended family, who I was a lot closer to. And that helped in the media. It's so nice to have that family support there, because if you'd been in Sydney and I couldn't... Imagine if it was now and you couldn't get back, like, traumatising already, let alone people that are dealing with it overseas now. Yeah, and you'd have to make the choice now. Is more We've important. talked about that sometimes, haven't yeah. we? Like the anxiety. Just so the listeners know, me and Sandra talked about this a couple of months ago because with borders being closed we have this anxiety where we think now that we've had grief once like what if it happens again yeah. and right now where we're kind of trapped in a country we're on a visa where we literally if we leave we can't come back it can be quite a trigger for us again so Sandra gave me some really good advice saying well you have to really learn to control what's within your circle of control yeah. and that seems to be something that you kind of try and live by now yeah, it's something that my therapist taught me pretty yeah. early. Like, I love to control things. Mm. And I think especially with the grief process, I often was kind of constantly going to worst case scenario. And that was not helpful to my well-being and state of mind at the time. So it became quite important to me to, guess, learn that not everything's within your control. And learn to tackle what is within your control. So mm. in the grieving process, that simple things like, how can you make yourself feel better, even if it's only for an evening? 
And do you think grief does that to you? Like you've started now wanting to be more in control of things? I think it taught me the opposite. Okay. I think I've always been a control freak. <laughs> I wanted to be in control of everything. And I think it taught me that as much as you try, things aren't always going to go your way. So it's taught me that I really need to kind of put a handle on that and actually really focus on what's within my control. It's been funny because I guess during COVID, where I think a lot of people are struggling with it for the first time of a lot of things being without their control. I haven't actually found that part that That hard. Because you've had so much of it in your life already. Yeah. I actually saw something on, it was one of these grief Instagrams um, a few months ago, and it was saying people are feeling less isolated now. The people like us who have had young grief we're now finding there's so many more people we can relate to through anxiety, mental health issues, because now everyone's feeling that way. We feel like we've got more people to relate to. It's yeah. interesting how that's happened. We're also like, I finding that I'm the person that people are often going to now. They know I've seen therapists for quite extended periods yeah. of time and I have my anxiety and my grief under control. Whereas some people are experiencing those feelings for the first time. For the time. first time, yeah. And I remember you saying to me once that, you know, you're very open at work when you're Mm. saying you're going to a therapy appointment. I remember in my previous job, I did go to counselling and I didn't tell people. I was going and I was saying, oh, I've got a hair appointment or I was finishing getting the bus and going somewhere. People like, oh, where are you going? You're getting a different bus. Oh, um, just got to go to the city to get something. I just found myself lying and I wish I didn't do that. But I think even a few years ago, mental health wasn't very like talked about. Whereas now, and I think especially in Sydney, I do think this is a bit more of a progressive place. But you come from America where people talk about therapy a lot. <laughs> Everybody's got a therapist. Exactly. So like when I came back, I guess from America, like I took two weeks off. I made the conscious decision that I didn't want to hide behind it. I wanted to like, while it was hard and it's not an easy conversation to have, I wanted to kind of get some of those conversations out of the way. Very early on, I think after a week of being back, I found like I was talking to a colleague and he's like, oh, I haven't seen you for a bit because I was on holiday. Uh, was back for two so days. he wouldn't have known. He didn't know at that point what happened and I was like oh yeah like I went home I had a bit of a family emergency and he's like oh like I hope you're okay and like I told him the truth that like my mom had committed suicide he very quickly was jarred and his mom had committed suicide six months prior oh and if he'd not said that you would never have known yeah in that state suicide's a very different type of grief complex kind of feelings about it including like did you do enough kind of beforehand Mm. to figure out what was happening and preventing it can't help but feel that guilt even though we know no one should it yeah. must be playing on your mind yeah and to find someone pretty early on in my grieving process who had dealt with it very recently and again it was a person that I was surprised yeah he was a top know. performer very happy very joyous at work yeah. through the whole time I'd known him and that happened pretty quickly after I probably started the company. You get that kind of response and that kind of validation very early on and get that point of contact at work with someone who got all the complex emotions really helps me. And that almost validate me being open to everyone else. Because then you felt like you could start to talk about it because you you almost had a little team, you and him, like you, you felt like you had someone to support you, which is great. It showed the importance of opening up. Because you yeah. never know who you're going to find who can be that support network for exactly. you. Exactly. And I think that was the same for me. Like when I was younger, I didn't really know anyone that had yeah. a parent die. You know, my mum died when I was 18, but I hadn't seen her for a good few years before that. When I 
moved to Sydney, you know what it's like here. You go to so many expat groups. So that's why I found it so easy to set up one here because we're so used to it now. Meeting you and a couple of the others who have had a very complex grief. Not only did I find someone that had a parent that had died at a young age, I also found people that had this complexity of their parent having mental health issues and having that difficulty of trying to connect and that almost love, those loving memories. I think me and you both feel like it's hard to sometimes remember the good things in our grief because it just makes it so much easier, doesn't it? Having other people to talk it through makes a hell of a lot of difference. Yeah, and I think especially being young because one of the things that was pretty jarring and almost weird conversations to have when I got back was there's a lot of, especially graduates, well, overseas listening to this, like the graduates in Sydney are very sheltered. They still live at home. They've always lived at they don't, home. You don't go to university away, do you? No. Whereas we all would move out and go somewhere that could be the other end of the country. Yes. When you went back to work, did they ask you or say anything or did they pretend it didn't happen? They were pretty good. Like a lot of them didn't know what to say, but a lot of them did address it. That's good. And a lot of them, like, on the first couple days back, my calendar was full of coffee catch-ups. I don't think they planned this, but they had filled up, like, my week of, like, not the full week. Like, okay. Every day. <laughs> but, like, they filled up time with walking catch-ups and whatnot, and that was very helpful. While they didn't necessarily know the right things to say, they at least tried in their own way. Yeah. And a couple, like, so a couple reached out to me when I was away. Oh, that's good. Um. A couple didn't, but they very quickly, as soon as I was back, like... Yeah, but they, people don't know, and it's hard to know when to give the space. So I think in that scenario, it's say. okay, but when you're back, if people look at you and don't say anything, then yeah. that's when you're like, please, I actually want you to, because this drags out the process long with me. Yeah. I want to address it straight away. But it, often that time, like, you're like, you're crying at work. Like, yeah, and you do, when you get that frog in your throat and your voice is all wobbly, oh, yeah. God, here we go. Um, so that was quite... It was refreshing yeah. that I think like, I got very fortunate, which I know you had a different experience. But yeah, I guess mine was quite different because my mum died during my A-level exams. Then it was the school holiday, so I didn't see anybody. And then I went to university. So it's almost like I could create a new identity for myself. Who was going to ask me about my mum dying? Because no one knew. So I just didn't talk about it. There's maybe I think I remember crying in Freshers Week, you know, when you get really drunk and you can't help yourself. And so, like, people ask you, don't they, about... Um, like where you're from what you do I just remember saying oh my mum died like 10 weeks ago or something and everyone just didn't know what to say and these people I've known for like three days so what are they gonna say but yeah so I feel like that's what delayed my grief process because I literally blocked it out for the first couple of years it's just fair because I think I found that outside of work and to find people that like I could connect with and could have those conversations with and would understand if for whatever reason, like at the last minute, like I wasn't actually feeling all peppy. Yeah, well, I don't actually want to go, sorry. <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah. want to go or yeah. wouldn't necessarily be as bubbly or like as outgoing yeah. on a day because I was dealing with grief at the yeah. time. And that was quite hard. Like I definitely know I probably missed out on some good friends because I was kind mm. of sheltered myself off. Yeah, when you're not ready, you just can't do it and you're not in that same headspace as them. You're going through a completely different life journey at that point than they exactly. were. They were in Sydney having an exciting new time. and <laughs> On working needed, holidays. Yeah, working holiday visas and there's you like trying to get over a major life event. So, yeah. and, and the purpose of this podcast, you know, it is named Not So Linear for a reason. None of our journeys are the same and none of them are easy. Like my mum died 10 years ago and I actually find it harder to think about now than I did at the beginning. And how do you feel? Like, do you feel like nearly two years on, are you at a point where you can talk really openly about it and 
do you feel pretty at peace? I'm pretty at peace. I think with things at the moment, um, like I got engaged four months after Mm. she passed. And I think that's brought its own kind of emotions without having kind of the mother figure through that period. But I think kind of in general, like I'm in a good place. I've graduated therapy in this time and pretty impressed at well, I've been triggered at various points throughout COVID mm. and especially Christmas happening a few weeks yeah. ago. Um, I'm open stage and trying to help yeah. others. And that's one thing I really like about you where you we were talking before and you said how you're trying to now make changes to help other people and be that person that people can come to you. So what are the kind of things that you're doing to kind of push that? Yes, yeah, so I think the first thing is kind of being open. So mm. um, at work, I've been pretty transparent with people about what's happened. Like I've changed teams a couple of times yeah. since all this stuff's happened. And that can be hard as well because there yeah. might be people you don't know as well. Yeah. And I've always tried to like be open with managers pretty upfront and also answering questions pretty directly. When people ask about my mom, I'm yeah. pretty direct that she passed yeah. away, um, which helps. Um, yeah. I know that's a major thing that young people struggle with. That. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, I think it took my mom passing away to almost really trigger some of that stuff. I think it, growing up, I probably would have shined away from the conversations and whatnot yeah. about my family and my family dynamic growing up. Yeah. But since she passed, I'm kind of, I've almost realized how sometimes while meaning well, this kind of questions can actually be quite triggering for people because it's not just people with grief. Some people grew up with a single parent their whole life. Some people have two moms or two dads. Family dynamics are different nowadays. And actually by addressing some of those questions head on, it can actually make other people think, is it okay to ask those questions to people? Is it okay to like, if I mention my dad, ask me right away, what, like, what about my mom? Yeah. And have people done that to you before? a lot of oh, really? like, yeah. it happens a lot because I'm saying I try and purposely mention my dad to yeah. almost paint a picture that that's the only parent yeah. please don't ask me about my mom yeah um and it sounds like you've maybe done that too just to kind of give the hint but then when people directly ask you it's kind of like I wasn't inviting you to ask me but I think now it's really important to be more direct and say yeah. you know what we can own it now this is really important for us to show and normalize the topic and that's where the issue lies, isn't it? People feel uncomfortable talking yeah. about death. Yeah. And I think people have an idea in their head about like families and look like, especially at our age, like we're pretty young for yeah. having a parent to pass away. So when I mention what my brother and my dad do at Christmas, they're like, what do your mom do? Yeah. <laughs> often people are like, oh, what does your mom, like what, yeah. what did your mom do? Or yeah. where is your mom at the moment? Yeah. They don't think twice. For the people who are listening who could be struggling with that, mm. and even me, like, what kind of stuff, how do you address it? What do you say? So I think for me, I, I struggled probably the first couple of times, and yeah. it was a very much a, like, suck it up and just do it. And to be honest, I'm pretty blunt about it. Like, yeah. I don't really beat around the bush. <laughs> if they ask me what That's about good. my mom, yeah. I say my mom died. Yeah, yeah. I leave it at that. Like, yeah. they don't need to know anymore. <laughs> Typically, people don't really ask anymore yeah you'll get some sympathy you'll be like oh like I'm sorry and then just shocked face (laughs) yeah and to be honest like most of the time people kind of leave it at that and move on in the conversation and the people who ask are actually probably people who in the same similar situation maybe like yeah yeah similar situation or people who care and actually finding that out is really useful and valuable Mm. to find the people who in your workplace in your friend group who 
ask you more after you say your mom passed yeah. away or your dad passed away or your fiance or partner passed yeah. away. Those are going to be pretty useful for you to actually learn who they are. You might not be ready to talk about it in that moment, but you'll at least learn the people who you can have a conversation with. Yeah, because they'll be to. really open about it. And I like those people that do ask. Yeah. I, I don't like the people that don't mm-hmm. because I think, I don't think it's that they don't care. It's actually they don't know what to say. Yeah. But I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, it's just such an awkward thing. And there's often times where I, if I'm in control of the conversation, I will try and bring it up because I feel like I've brought it there rather than when you gave the example of someone saying, what does your mum do? They're in control of the conversation and then you feel more vulnerable. So it's about taking the ownership yourself, isn't it? You can make it like a five like word sentence. Mm. You don't have to make it this long. You don't have to tell the whole story. You don't have to tell yeah. the whole story. Um, but you can curb it off, but you can at least make it so in other conversations, you have potentially have allies who are willing to kind of speak up for you as well. Um, and then the other thing that I've recently started doing is I'm starting to train to become a mental health first aider. Oh, wow, officer, that's so cool. Which essentially for people who don't know, is aid officers are people who can start to bridge how to have the conversations about with people who potentially are struggling at work. So it's people who either come to them and say, hey, I need support to figure out like what's going on mm. and what I can do next. Or managers and colleagues can reach out to us. First. I think it's amazing when you're doing this kind of thing because it's like you've had the life experience as well. You know, it's more authentic. You can really put yourself in their shoes and empathize with that person. Yeah, but that was the thing I guess to be aware of is taking care of yourself first. Because again, some of these conversations can be triggering. Still I was about today. to say. Um, yeah, the program's quite good because you have a network of people who are also yeah. mental health first aid officers. A, you know the other people you can go to. And B, like one of the key things that they talk about throughout the whole program yeah. is it's you first. So we've talked a bit about how being transparent and being open about your grief journey has helped you. What other things do you think has made it easier in your process? So probably a couple of things. I think the first one is knowing when I needed professional help. Yeah. So knowing when I actually needed to see someone to help me through the process, that was really valuable. Because at the time, like I had seen a therapist two days prior to her passing Mm. and I had an appointment as soon as I got back. And I had emailed her. So yeah. again, she was brief. She She's knew what was happening. That was invaluable. Yes. Um, and I'd recommend to anyone struggling who thinks they might be getting to the point, just do it. Seeing a therapist is not a sign of weakness. No. It's so helpful. It really is, isn't it? And I think as well, like your, like my therapist at least gave me homework. And yeah. as I started to get to the point of being okay, yeah. the homework yeah. evolves. Yeah. The first bits of homework were more about like, doing little things for myself to make me feel better. Yeah. And then it moved on to be more like, okay, come prepared for a conversation next time. Yeah. So yeah. tell me about a time we got triggered. Yeah. Um, but in that immediate moment, it was so invaluable to have those regular conversations that I knew were coming. Yeah. And I knew it was someone that was like able to kind of help me think through and talk through my grief. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate that I had an established relationship with a therapist before yeah. she passed away. Did that make it a lot easier? Because you could, she knew your background already. Yeah, she, like it yeah. did help. Like it happens after an incident, mm-hmm. like when I first started seeing her. So I did have that jarring start. But it did help when it actually came to the grief itself, like that it didn't have to start at the beginning. 
Yes. It was very much a continuation of the story. But it doesn't, like, it shouldn't stop you from seeing someone if you haven't seen someone before. The other thing for me was making sure I did the little things. So in that time, it wasn't about setting big goals. It was very much like what will make you feel good. And it's kind of like more of an immediate kind of gratification. Praising yourself. Praising myself. Letting myself have takeaway food. Like if I was having a craving and I really wanted Mexican food, get yourself Mexican food. (laughs) We know you like Mexican food. And I think it was even stuff like don't get hard on yourself for letting things drop in that time. But also find the things that like if you want to do something, don't be afraid to kind of do it. And kind of let yourself necessarily get out of all of your habits. Mm -hmm. But again, it's like if you enjoy going to the beach and you've been struggling for a week or two and you can go to the beach, go to the beach. Like it doesn't, you don't have to make a big event out of it. And it can just be one day of treating yourself. It's about finding a good balance, isn't it? Mm. Because you don't want to go the other way where then you're not getting out of bed and you're you're really not taking care of yourself. But it's about saying, I want to be kind to myself and, and look after me in the best way possible that I can right now. Like, I know with myself, like, I struggled a lot with anxiety throughout the period. Mm. And, like, I'd get really anxious about doing something mm. before doing it. And, again, my therapist, like, pretty early on in my grieving process kind of told me that, like, don't let yourself get to the point of being anxious. Like, if you have a fleeting thought, like, you want to go to the gym, go to the gym. But make sure you actually give yourself some time to do stuff. Yeah. And it's okay to say no to plans as oh, well. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that people are becoming a bit more aware of now. We don't have to be people pleasers. If you really need to cancel that plan and you're not up for going, it should be okay to say, hey, look, I don't feel well today or I don't have the right mental capacity. I need to take some time for myself. Yeah, like I think I probably am always someone who like, probably more of like a no person than a yes person. Um, No, I'm busy. (laughs) Yeah, like, and I think... It always comes to my events, though. (laughs) I'm getting better at it. For me, it was more of like, I think because I'd moved to a new country pretty, pretty, like, pretty close to when it happened. I think it was more almost allowing myself the ability to kind of like not do what was expected. But it also meant... Well, I felt like I missed out on some of those, like, early, like, kind of relationships in Sydney that I didn't feel, like, as bad. And I I learned to kind of forgive myself for not doing the things that would have been then not my friends when I started to feel okay again. But, like, I did the opposite. Like you said, like, I've come to all the grief groups and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And I've taken the time that, like, after when I started to feel better to kind of make up for those kind of periods yeah exactly and now you're like able to enjoy yourself and yeah go and do all these things because you gave yourself the time yeah whereas I was kind of the opposite yeah. way and suddenly had a bit of a meltdown about 10 years later yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it teaches you a lesson I think you've done a, a really amazing job to be honest and um, especially with you now helping other people is a really great thing because you've turned your grief into something that makes you stronger and that's how I feel too it's don't take it all as a negative like we have to take it as positive and, and use our strength to like push forward it takes time and i think it's finding what makes you feel yeah, better exactly. in the time and it's making sure you get the time for you it's a journey it's not a linear path <laughs> um, and don't be afraid to share because you you'll find out things that surprise you thank you 
thank you so much for listening to the Not So Linear podcast. If you want to catch our next episode, make sure you subscribe on either iTunes or Spotify. And if you're based here in Sydney and you would love to attend our meetup groups, check out our Instagram and Facebook pages, which are detailed in the show notes below. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.